You remember how to do this? I guess we'll find out. 10 to 1, episode 112. Top 10 sleep training tips. Welcome to 10 to 1. The podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And finally, the long-promised, maybe not long-awaited sleep training tips. Uh, we've been... Yeah, we've speaking been, of long. <laughs> we've been talking about doing this one for months now. And yeah, something just well, always more important, I guess, keeps happening. Well, we also haven't really podcasted much in the last few months. Yeah. We traveled a lot in June, uh, so that kept us pretty busy. And then, I don't know, we've just been busy. We're having a baby soon, so getting ready for that. Yeah, by the way, if you were thinking things are going to pick up now, uh, no, they really aren't. Yeah. You can expect maybe <laughs> one episode a month. We've been down to two a month, and it's yeah. about to be one a month. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. So the plan is record tonight, this episode. We're going to have one more regular episode, and then a couple episodes of us on another podcast. And those are just going to be the first Friday of August, September, October, November. And then we'll be back in December for a Christmas episode and go right into 2020. Uh, we definitely have some plans. I mean, we had things, uh, some things lined up. Uh, we had some uh, guests planned and uh, scheduling didn't work out. Uh, so that's getting pushed to next year. And uh, we've got we've got some definite, definite plans, uh, definite episodes we want to get in and uh, some research we'll have to do. So uh, 2020. 2020 is some good stuff. Well, we only have a few more things for you this year, uh, so just hang on. Anyway, back to sleep training tips. Yeah, so it's this your show. is... Take it away. Part oh. three of child rearing, I guess. We had the uh, stuff to get when you're, you're expecting a baby, and then mm -hmm. uh, my advice, my suggestions... Based on my experience on how you should, uh, you know, what might help you go through labor and delivery and all that, postpartum. And now here we are. Yeah, Baby's that's been episode born. 85 and episode 95. Yeah, and we're on, not 105, right? We're not on 105, we're on 112. Ah, oh, what a shame. Whoops. Um, so, baby's been born and... One thing that you find quickly that you crave is sleep, and <laughs> that's a lot easier if the baby sleeps. How do you do that? Well, there's a whole bunch of information online that I have scoured over the last two children. Uh, I, I'm, that sounded weird. <laughs> scoured the web after having two children, trying to figure out how do I get this child to sleep. Uh, and you're just going to have to bear in mind, uh, sleep training is possible from an early stage on. Uh, like, pretty quickly, the baby figures out uh, how to fall asleep and stuff. But if you're thinking of, I'm not going to feed this baby to sleep, then you're going to have to wait for a few months, okay? Uh, with Lydia, we were able to start actual sleep training, like not nursing her to sleep. At three months old. Yay, 
awesome, terrific. <laughs> that did not work with Amber until six or seven months old, okay? It just, it's going to depend on your child. Sometimes, in spite of your best efforts, they're just not going to go to sleep the way you want them to, okay? And that's fine. Uh, you know, you do what you got to do if it'll get that that kid to sleep. So, <laughs> but sleep training is possible from an early stage, uh, and that is where you feed them to sleep, whether it's bottle feeding or nursing. Um, uh, that that usually will help them to, uh, you know, when they first wake up, you want to feed them, of course. Then active play, let them uh, try and roll around, give them some tummy time, and then after that, uh, nurse them to sleep again. And then nice full belly. We always feel tired after... Uh, good hearty meal, and it's <laughs> the same way for the babies. And you want them to go to sleep on a nice full belly. If possible, maybe burp them a little bit too, but, um, anyway, uh, one thing, and I'm going to go through my, my numbers one through ten, uh, and I'm just going to start with one because I don't feel like reordering my list from ten. You can, we'll Works call it me. ten, sure, I, I guess. But uh, you you kind of want to do it in this order. So first thing you want is to have a schedule and routine. Okay, so it doesn't matter if they're newborn or one year old. Having a routine is so important. It's going to help them to uh, just know what to expect. Okay, try to get them into bed at the same time each night. It's going to help to create their internal clock. Uh, and babies, babies like routine. It's very comforting to them. I mean, I'd say most people really like routine. They like to, you know, wake up in the morning and then first thing they do is go brush their teeth and then yeah. drink some water, you know, whatever you've got. Everybody's got their little rituals mm -hmm. that if that doesn't happen, then their day is thrown off. Okay. It's the same thing for children. All right, so that's my number one, have a routine. Usually for me, that's um, when, the, when the baby cries, you uh, kind of let them cry for a little bit because sometimes they just cry out in their sleep and then they go back to sleep. So, you know, give them a couple minutes, see if maybe they'll settle themselves back down. If not, then maybe check their diaper mm. and then feed them. Because you don't want them to get too angry uh, and unhappy before you start trying to feed them. Because then they get too mad to eat. And then that's a whole huge mess. Um, and then if it's at night, you want to keep it very low key. So just feed them. And maybe they'll coo and, and try to make eye contact with you. But uh, just keep it low key. And then feed them some more until they fall, up, fall back asleep. Okay? So number one, have a routine. Number two, keep your routine low key, okay? Uh, and this is, these first few, these work even with infants, uh, newborns up through, you know, up till you're ready for a more aggressive sleep training. Okay, so you want to okay. keep the room dark. Obviously, you want enough light to be able to see by, um, but... You want a distinct difference between day and night. Um, and so you'll keep, 
keep the room very dim and uh, just very low key. Uh, babies are stimulated by eye contact. They love love it when you look at them and play with them. And that's great. Do that all you want during the day <laughs> um, and during active playtime. At night when they wake up in the middle of the night, it's not time to do that. Uh, it's time. It, let them learn that nighttime's very boring, okay? <laughs> and so when nice. after they wake up and they've eaten and they're ready to play, uh, just kind of you feel free to lay back and kind of go to sleep a little bit with them in your arms. And they can try to amuse themselves a little bit, if, if at all possible. But don't make it very exciting or fun for them. Let them learn, this is boring, and I want to go back to sleep. And that will help them learn nighttime is is not, not playtime, okay? So, number one, have a routine. Number two, keep it low-key at night. Number three, uh, you want to make sure the baby is changed and swaddled before you feed them, before you nurse them to sleep, okay? You don't want to get, now sometimes there's just no helping it. You'll get them all nice and sleepy, and then they'll fill their diaper. And like, (laughs) it's your call at that point. You can put them to bed, Hmm. and you can smell that diaper, or you can decide... Decide to change them. I I end up going ahead and changing them. I'm in favor um, of leaving it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few times where I'm like, I'm exhausted, and this child's gonna be fine <laughs> having a poopy diaper for an hour or two. <laughs> Another waking up in two hours, so it's not that big of a deal. But if it's wet, I don't change them. If uh, you know, if, right after, right after I've fed them, if it's poopy, I'll usually change them. Um. Just try that way. You can avoid diaper rash a little more easily. Uh, but I, I mean, I, no judgments here. If you leave leave the poopy diaper on, choose sleep over that. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, I mean, after you've uh, unswaddled them and opened up their pajamas, and the cold air rushes back in on them again, they're wide awake now. After you've uh, you've changed your little bottom, so. That's that's rough after you work so hard to get them to sleep. Um, uh, it's it's just life, so no judgments here if that's what you choose. Uh, I'm just saying, if at all possible, try to get any changing and swaddling done before you feed them to sleep. Okay? Uh, so, routine, keep it low-key. Get the extra stuff out of the way before you feed them to sleep. Number four. Keep your night and day very distinct. I uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah. So during the day, open the windows. Uh, let the light shine in. Play with the kid. You know, bring them out around toys and music and, and laughter and songs and, and all these things. You know, stimulate their little them to their heart's content. Uh, and show them that during the day, that's what it's like. There's a lot of... And exciting, interesting things going on. At night, nothing happens. They can try and play with mommy. Mommy's <laughs> exhausted and is just gonna sit there. At the you know at at the very worst, of course, you're gonna try and keep them from crying and wailing and uh, keeping everybody else awake at night. So mm-hmm. you'll rock them to sleep or whatever. But uh, there's not really 
anything super fun or new and exciting that's going to go on, okay? So number four, keep your night and day very different. Number five, and this is very important. Uh, I was talking to this one lady last year, actually, and that's actually where the sleep training tips idea started, mm. was uh, she was asking me, how did I get my kids to sleep through the night? Because she had a one-year-old who was still, like, uh, nurse waking up all night long to nurse back to sleep. <laughs> and she was exhausted. And uh, <laughs> I was like, well, uh, so I was trying to help her out and tell her what all I did. One thing that will help is to keep that baby really well fed during the day. Okay? So... Uh, the, the problem was the baby was, was eating so much at night that she wasn't that hungry during the day. Mm. And so I told her, you've got to, you've got to try and feed her more during the day and especially more solids, especially at one year old, they can handle solids. Okay. They should not be needing as much formula or breast milk at that point. So try to give them a lot of solids during the day. And uh and especially if you've got an older child like that, I'd say breast milk really should be especially a 1-year-old like that. I would say breast milk is kind of the last the last treat of the day. It's not a uh it, that should that should not be their main source of nourishment, I would say. And <laughs> there's going to be Probably some moms out there who are going to be turning off the the podcast and crying foul at this point. <laughs> this is my philosophy, and I'm sorry, but it's helped my kids to sleep. Okay, and they the thing with breast milk is is that it's really easily digested, and it's not it's not as hearty as solids. Okay, and so um, they're going to stay full on solids longer, solid food. So, uh, if you want them to sleep more during the night, then, uh, do give them so- more solids later, later or all throughout the day. And, uh, I would say nursing should just be kind of a treat here and there. I'd say, especially by one year old, cause, uh, they don't really need it as much for nourishment's sake at that point. Now, there are some people who will go ahead and start giving their babies solids really early in the hopes that that will help their babies to start sleeping through the night. Please don't take this wrong. You should not do that, okay? Uh, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics says uh, ages four to six months is when you can start feeding solids. I'd wait... I try to hold off until five or six months, I, ideally. Uh, I think four months is a little early, a little young. And especially anything before that, there there are some numbskulls out there who try at three months, at two months. <laughs> and, and, you know, anything to try and keep, help their child to sleep. And I, I completely understand, as a sleep-starved mother, I've been there. But look, if you introduce solids way too early... You are you are increasing the risk of your child having allergies later in life, um, and developing you know the wheat, the gluten allergies, all of that. Hmm. 
it can it can start because you've introduced solids too early. Okay? So I know I completely understand you get really desperate and frantic for sleep. But this you don't want to doom your dial your child's digestive system in the process, okay? So try to wait till five or six months to start introducing solids. Um you'll you'll get there, okay? You'll survive somehow or other. Okay, so so that was number five. Keep them well fed during the day so that they're uh not waking up at night to feed as often. Alright, now we're going to get into a little more of the hardcore sleep training. This is once your child is ready for it. And like I said earlier, it just depends on the child. Lydia, at three months, she sleep trained. Now we ended up having to, like, every, it was weird, every three months she would revert back and want to nurse back to sleep again and and like spend a night or two where she'd just go into all outfits. Mm-hmm. And then we'd, you know, we'd go, you know, just stick with the routine and she'd fall back into the routine for another couple months and it'd be fine. Uh, so that was, she, she trained early but then had a lot of setbacks. Amber, though, um, didn't sleep train until six or seven months. Uh, and it was more when, once solids were really a lot more uh, integral, I guess, to her her feeding. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that was so that was, was one of the main things that really helped her to helped her to stay asleep at night. Um, so it was exhausting, but you know what? Six or seven months—that's a lot better than some people who are still. Still rocking their child to sleep at, at 9 or 12 months or, or 18 months. And <laughs> just like, dude, you gotta, you gotta break this. <laughs> their child won't go to sleep without them or wakes up and mommy's not there and they, and so mommy just lets the kid climb into bed with them. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not me. This child's getting a routine. So, <laughs> when, for an actual sleep training routine, like, we're not just we're not just feeding the baby to sleep. Okay? Now we're going to help the child learn to fall asleep on their own. Mm-hmm. Okay? And not have okay. necessarily crutches. Okay, they're going to have different crutches. Okay? Not you're not going to be their crutch anymore. Feeding isn't going to be their sleep aid. So, what you're going to want is maintain everything that I said previously, keep keep it Low key, soothing, keep the room dark. This goes for naps and for for bedtime. You want it to be the same thing. That way they associate sleep at naps and sleep at bedtime as the same thing. Okay, this is going to help them fall asleep. So I would suggest a very short story. Uh, you could You could nurse them first, then a short story. Yeah. And maybe one or two songs as you rock back and forth in your rocking chair or, you know, rock them in your arms or something and then lay them down in the bed uh, with the lights out. Uh, you could do a nightlight if you want. Uh, I've always gone with it can be full dark in their room and they'll be fine. And then and then just leave. 
I'd say if you want to ease into this, what we did with, I don't know if we did it with Lydia, but with Amber is we started with story and song, and then I would nurse to sleep. And then after a month or so of that, I switched it. Nurse first, then story and song. And by that point, she had come to accept story and song. These are part of the routine. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that we've we've changed the order a little bit. Not that big of a deal. Okay. Once you start this routine, this more advanced routine, uh, stick with it at least four nights. But ideally, you want to you st- you stick with it for a week. Okay. If that is not working, then you can change it up. But it's going to take about that long for you to see if it will work or not. Uh, Lydia at first was a little resistant to change. She just wanted to always nurse to sleep. And so if I given up a few days in, mm-hmm. then she would have won. Right. And every time you give in like that, then it makes it harder the next time to establish a routine because the child learns if I just keep at it enough nights, I can wear mom and dad down. Right. Now, if the if the routine seems to be working, I would say continue religiously with it for the next month. That means no date night outs, no new changes to the schedule or to uh, their location. So, like, don't go on a, a trip somewhere and stay at grandma's or, you know, don't. Don't move from your house for the next month. Uh, and that's gonna be, that's gonna be a little rough. Uh, but it's worth it because what you're doing is you're ingraining their routine before you introduce anything different. And that way, once you do move, once you are on the road somewhere, you've got the routine right. so that even when you're in new surroundings, you can still give them something familiar, the routine. Okay, and that has really helped us whenever we've been uh, over to family's house or uh, staying in hotels during our travels, mm-hmm. having the routine. Or we keep them out at a church thing. Exactly, and it, they're out late, uh, and right. it's, it's way past their bedtime, Right. but they have the routine, and so it doesn't matter how weird the night has been, they have something familiar to hold on to. It mostly works. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's always exceptions to the rule, but it's a really good rule. That's number six. Once you start the routine, stick with it. At least four days, ideally a week. Number seven, if they scream, wait. Okay? Brian pointed out earlier that I'm saying okay a lot. I really apologize. <laughs> That's my verbal clutter tonight, and I'm really trying to stop, and I apparently cannot. Uh, if they scream after you put them in bed, wait five to ten minutes before you go in, because they might self-soothe. Uh, it happens. Sometimes they're just venting a little frustration. <laughs> but, you know, they'll settle down if you, if you, if you don't go in. If, though, you know what, you can tell it's accelerating, it's increasing in volume and and (laughs) urgency, Uh, it's okay to go in. Um, I would say just go in once. And this is where you're going to check on their needs. You're going to see, do they have a poopy diaper? Do they need some water? Uh, Did 
their stuffed animal or whatever fall, you know, fall out of the crib? Do they, you know, did, did the roof fall in? Did something <laughs> happen, you know, that alarmed them? Then after that, after you've checked on them, you've maybe picked them up and rocked them for a little bit, calmly put them back in bed, say night-night, and get out. Okay? Don't go back in. If you if you do, they're going to realize that every time they cry, mommy will come for me. Even though I don't need anything, they're going to think they're going to realize that they can control you. And it's going to be hard. You're going to want to go in there and and help them to stop crying. But if they only stop crying when you're in there, then you are their crutch now. And I've read on some blogs online where they'll uh, they'll sit in the chair for for the out an hour or whatever, and then sneak out while the child is asleep. I don't I don't hold with that because when the child wakes up and you're not there, maybe the lights are out. Sure, they couldn't see you before, but they can smell you. <laughs> children children have a really good sense of smell, and they can smell. And, and I don't I'm not a filthy person, okay. I uh, I take a bath every night. They can smell. They know your scent. And they know if you're in the room or not. And so they'll wake up in the middle of the night and you're not there, whereas you were, you were there when they fell asleep. That's alarming to them. So uh, I, w- I don't hold with uh, staying there till they fall asleep or move the chair a little closer to the, to the door each night and slowly sneak out that way or stay in there less time each night. I, I say, for me, what's worked is go in there once. See if they need anything. Uh, get them settled down. Night-night, back in bed, and that's it. And if they throw a tantrum, they will have to scream themselves to sleep. And that's hard. But the child learns, I actually don't need anything. (laughs) Mommy saw to my needs. And if I just fall asleep when she she sets me down and tells me goodnight, it's a lot nicer than if I scream myself to sleep. Now, there are going to be some moms out there who made it past the first hiccup and they got to this point and they said, you let your child cry themselves to sleep and now they're turning off the podcast. Look, you don't have to do it my way, but I'm saying this has worked for us and our children seem to be pretty happy. They don't seem brain damaged. (laughs) There's a lot of guilt tripping out there about how you're damaging your child psychologically and they're not going to grow up to be well-adjusted adults because you let them scream themselves asleep. Ah! I've had so many comments from so many people about how Lydia and Amber are just so well-behaved. I I just think how much better they would be if we hadn't let them (laughs) scream themselves asleep. Well... I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've t- we just took Lydia to the dentist yesterday, and uh, every time we take them to the dentist, it's like they're the best kids in the world, and and the nurses and doctors there are always wishing that every other child would behave the way my two kids do, and uh, you know, it it really is. It comes down to how are you as a parent. And I'm not a good parent by 
any stretch of the word, but I do try. And those are the moments that make me feel like maybe I am an okay parent. (laughs) So all that to say, I would not worry about psychologically damaging your child by letting them cry themselves to sleep. Now, obviously, if you haven't met their needs and you are letting them cry themselves to sleep, yes, that's awful. Shame on you. But you've met their needs. You've gone in there to check on them. They're fine. They just want you. But they don't need you. They'll be all right. They'll settle themselves down. They'll figure it out. All right, so that was number seven. If they scream, wait. Number eight. This one is for naps. And during the day, you want a clock to see how long they've been awake. Uh, So when... When they're infants, I think the longest that they're they'll stay stay awake is maybe two hours tops. <laughs> wow. Um, and then they're back to sleep. They need to be back to sleep within two hours, and you can tell because they're they're yawning. Uh, they'll get kind of a glassy eye, glazed look in their their eyes. Uh, there's there's different sleeping cues. Sometimes they'll they'll play with their ears. Uh you want to watch for those sleepy cues and try to get them get them uh, down for their naps while they're still doing those sleepy cues. Because there's like, I don't know, a 30-minute window or so, or less. Sometimes it's like a 15-minute window where they, they're putting off those sleepy vibes. And if you don't get them down during that time, then they become overtired. <laughs> and then it's like they get their second wind. And you're not going to get them down for a nap. And it ha- it wasn't, it hasn't been a big deal with Amber. If, uh, if we go past her nap time, not a big deal. Uh, obviously she gets a little more cranky, but then she'll, you know, she'll go right into bed without a fuss when we do the, the bedtime routine. No big deal. But with Lydia... Oh, man, this was crucial. (laughs) I had to be clocking to see, okay, she's been awake for an hour and a half. (laughs) Yep, there's the first sleepy cue. She's getting a little whiny. Uh, She's staring off into space. You know, whatever. She's rubbing her eyes. She's getting tired. Time to drop everything and (laughs) run into the the nursery, (laughs) and we're going to do the bedtime routine, and I'm going to get her into bed because... If I did, if I missed that that sleepy window, then she got overtired, and the rest of the day, it was so hard to get her down for the naps. And the thing is, you want them to be well rested during the day, so that they'll sleep better at night. Here's uh, I hadn't written this down before, but this is free for you guys. They've got to sleep during the day, so mm. that they'll sleep at night. You would think. That having gone all day and being exhausted, they would sleep really well at night, but no. Somehow it makes it where uh, they're so exhausted, so overtired, that they can't sleep and they're going to wake up all night and keep you awake as well. Hmm. So uh, that's it's so important to, to catch those, those uh, cues and get them into bed for their naps and... Plan your your shopping trips, your you know whatever it is that's going on in your day around those nap times, uh, 
And for some parents, for some kids, not a big deal. Like, like I said, with Amber, I could still always get her down for a nap. With Lydia, I was very strict. This shopping trip is only going to last for this amount of time, and then we have got to get on home, even yeah. if I haven't gotten everything, because otherwise it's going to be an awful rest of the day. Because this child's going to be cranky, grouchy, and overtired, and fighting naps all day long. So, number eight, very important. Clock that child. Clock that child. Melissa Cozy. <laughs> August 1st, 2019. Number nine. So, I just stressed how important naps are in the grand scheme of things. So, they'll sleep at night. But don't let them oversleep. Clock that nap. <laughs> I know there's a lot of there's a lot of clocking going on, but it's it's really important, okay? Don't let daytime naps go over two and a half hours. And don't start them after five. Four thirty if the child is older than nine months, I would say. If they sleep for too long at a stretch of a time, then that means that their next nap uh, for the younger younger children, their next nap is going to be thrown off, and then uh, it, it just throws off their schedule. So keep their naps roughly about the same length, okay? And really what it all boils down to is routine. Have a routine of they wake up, they've had their play, now it, they've... Uh, the playtime has has extended for a certain amount of time, and now it's it's nap time, and they they sleep for a certain amount of time. Obviously, if they wake up before that, then there's not really anything you can do about that. But if they're sleeping longer, I would say don't let them sleep above two and a half hours, and that way it doesn't throw off the rest of their day. Now, infants, they'll they'll sleep pretty much anywhere and during anything. So I wouldn't worry too much about having a really strict schedule with them. But around the three-month mark is when having the... the uh, They've been awake for a certain amount of time. Now it's time for them to, to nap. Mm -hmm. and, and you shouldn't skip naps. I think that's right around when that kicks in. About three months old. All right. So that was number nine, clock the naps. Number 10. These are kind of just some last minute ideas. Uh, I would say introduce, uh, people call it a lovey, uh, some sort of stuffed animals or something <laughs> that they can hold, something soft. Uh, it could be a little blanket uh, or, you know, just something that's special that is just theirs and they only get it at bedtime. And you snuggle with it. Now, obviously, if the child is too young, don't give them stuff like that. Uh, around six months, five to six months, I would say, is when they can start sleeping with some things in the crib if they're small. I am i don't think a blanket is allowed at that point. If it is, maybe... Maybe something woven or knit that's got holes in it, and that's you know <laughs> even if it if it covers their face, it's still going to be breathable. But I, I'd be very hesitant about that. But 
but you can at least start having it be part of your your bedtime routine. So uh, while you're reading the story, you have this small stuffed animal that uh, you you hold in your arms with them while you rock them back and forth and and read the story to them. Then eventually, of course, you can actually leave that in the crib with them. Maybe whenever the whenever it is that you feel that they might be ready, as long as it's not a big bulky animal, just something small that they can they can clutch in their hands. Uh, another tip I would say is once they can flip over, and that happens around the three month mark for most kids, lay them down on their belly. All right, and now everybody else that's still listening and hasn't shut off this <laughs> podcast, uh, the I think it's the Academy of Pediatrics says that you shouldn't lay their child on their belly until they're a year old. And then you talk to our parents and they're like, well, we laid you on your belly all the time and you're still alive. And then the AAP says, well, it, it increases the risk of SIDS. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell... The risk of SIDS is increased in a smoking house and around people that smoke. If you if you don't smoke, if uh, if you don't have anybody in your family that smokes, I think you're fu- you're you should be fine. If your baby doesn't have any kind of health defects, um, some sort of heart valve condition or breathing problem, whatever. I'd say it's going to be all right once they've learned how to flip over to put them on their belly. Because here's the thing. They're going to flip over in their sleep anyway. And if you lay them down on their belly, then they'll sleep more deeply and therefore sleep longer. uh, As opposed to sleeping on their back. Yeah. uh, From what I've seen, they... So one thing that's really uh, interesting... Way, uh, how they've been able to check numbers for things like babies sleeping on their stomachs is from when doctors gave uh, certain different types of advice. So doctors said sleep on their stomach, and then they said uh, sleep on their back, then sleep on their stomach, sleep on their back, just because they thought different things. And you can you can look at the uh, cases of SIDS going up and down uh, when when those. Um, uh, those suggestions changed. So they're pretty sure that um, you are at less risk for SIDS if you're on your back. I don't know how old that is, but I would say I uh, maybe maybe looking, I, w- I wouldn't just put them on their stomach right right as a newborn. And no, no, no. I, I wouldn't throw out that advice from, yeah. from the doctor. No. Well, and obviously this is going to be your instincts as a parent. And, you know, if, if you... If you don't feel comfortable doing it, then don't. Um, but uh, there comes a point where uh, they're, they they are fine sleeping on their belly. If you want to wait till six months, that's fine. Um, but, you know, there does come a point where, and it's before a year old, that they are fine sleeping on their belly. And I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't stress. If your baby is completely healthy, you're in a non-smoking home. I wouldn't worry about it. And once your baby has learned how to flip over, especially if they can flip from their their back to their belly and they're already doing it on their own in their sleep, 
Then go ahead and lay them down on their belly, and they'll what, sleep better. What does smoking have to do with belly or back? I'm not sure, but I've seen that it it uh, I've seen studies where it does seem to increase the risk of SIDS. Oh, I can see it increasing the risk of SIDS, but I think those are two unrelated causes for SIDS. Well, you like, have your beliefs, like, and I have like mine. The whole point of SIDS is they don't really know exactly what's causing it, right? right? So. Smoking could be sleeping the wrong way. It could be the cat sucking the breath out of the baby. <laughs> Who knows? Well, what story is that from? <laughs> I, I never heard those stories. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. That was, I, don't know, I don't know how that started, but... Huh. That, that wow. was an urban legend, I think, that the cats would uh, no. suck the breath out of babies. No, I never heard that. Yeah. If you let them in the room while the baby was asleep. <laughs> now, obviously, if you're still swaddling your baby, you should not put them on their belly. Okay? They're not going to have their arms free. <laughs> Don't lay them down on their belly. Uh, but right around three months is when they get to be real escape artists, and they're already trying to get free of the swaddle anyway. So that's that's why I said around three months is when they start being fine with not being swaddled, and so therefore I'm fine with putting them on their belly. If they're already learning how to, to move their legs and and flip themselves over, then I'm, I'm fine with putting them on their belly so they'll sleep a little better. Now, if you are starting that young with putting them on their belly, don't put anything else in the crib. Not a stuffed animal, not a blanket, nothing. Oh, but they'll get cold. Then turn up the heat in your house or dress them in, in warmer pajamas or a double layer of pajamas. But there shouldn't be anything else in that crib. All right, so those are my 10. And uh, I hope this is helpful to all you sleep-starved parents out there. Uh, feel free to take or leave any or all of these. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just here to help if at all possible, and happy sleeping to you all. Any more thoughts or comments, Brian? Uh, so if, if someone follows all this advice, would you would you say they have a 100% guarantee of uh, no sleep problems? And uh, I'd say maybe an 85%. Yeah. So stuff still varies from child to child. Yeah. yeah. Things happen. We, we still have had stuff come up something throws it off and then i'm right. sitting in the chair for them to fall asleep for a month <laughs> yeah <laughs> or whatever well and like i so. like i said i tried with amber to start sooner and it just ended up she just wasn't ready until 6 or 7 months old yeah uh, and some sometimes that's that's just the way of it i do think children can be sleep trained before they're a year old though and i will say the longer you wait like, there's some parents out there that are waiting till their child is, like, one and a half, going on two. Uh, and by that point, whatever it is that you've been doing to get that child to sleep at night is very deeply ingrained. Okay, the longer you wait, the less malleable they are. So, starting, starting before they're a year old, you know, if, if you want a nurse to sleep for the first nine months, that's great. I would start by nine months to, you know, start doing some sort of a sleep routine. Mm-hmm. They can definitely handle it at that point. And the longer you wait, the more resistant to change they're going to be. They're going to 
they're going to still want to to curl up in your arms and depend on you and you're never going to get your evenings free again. <laughs> and for some women that's fine. They're like, "Oh, my child is only young for so long and then and then they grow up so fast." And that is great for you and I'm not that woman. I I cherish my nights free with my man. And uh I'm all about getting that baby on a schedule and getting them to bed so that mommy and daddy can relax together. So, this has been Sleep Training Tips tips with Melissa Kozer. Yeah, good tips. Tune in next good time. Job. Our next episode is going to be Simple Pleasures. Top 10 Simple Pleasures. Yeah. Sleep. That's going to be one of them, probably. <laughs> All Maybe right. Some sleep-related ones. Until next time, I'm Melissa Kozer. I'm Brian Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. Well, I don't see why you need any advice other than, number one, clock the baby. I mean, for the record, sleep after you clock them. For the record, no babies have been harmed. I assume they're out for a little while. A couple for hours clocking at least in this clock household. Them. Okay, so I did forget to mention this earlier, but it's super important. Uh, and this would be this would fall in with my number ten, uh, the the last random tips. Get some white noise in the room. That will really help your baby sleep. Uh you know, uh, it could be a machine, could be some white noise on your fan, rain sounds, or you can have some music playing, you know, very light, uh, not much melody going on music, or ideally a fan, a large fan, stand fan. Um, I highly recommend having white noise of some sort, and that way your child isn't starting awake at every little sound, every time the dog barks from the next door neighbor or the garbage truck goes by outside or somebody starts mowing their lawn during a nap, okay, it gets some white noise. It's really going to make a difference in helping that child sleep.